This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. So I promise that I won't always be doing a wardrobe change right in the middle of the service on Sundays, uh, but hopefully this will help to uh, just capture your attention for next Sunday. Um, Pastor Teresa and I have sat down and we thought about having a jersey Sunday uh, where people could wear their jerseys uh, to uh, church. And so if you've got, if you played for a team, if you've been a, a hockey player or a soccer player or basketball or volleyball or rugby or um, whatever sport you might be involved in, if you're a grandpa or a grandma here and your grandkids have played a sport or maybe your children, ask them if you can borrow one of their jerseys. Uh, we're going to have more jerseys uh, that you can use next Sunday. You know, one of the things uh, that people always ask me, when I go to church for the first time, if I'm a guest, what should I wear? And so um, next Sunday, kind of Jersey Sunday, should send a signal that uh, we just love informality here at, at Bethel and uh, the opportunity to do that. So the reason I'm wearing this jersey this Sunday is not only to promote uh, what's happening, but uh, my sons, Corey and John Mark, um, are both football players. Uh, they had the privilege of playing university football. One played for the University of Saskatchewan. The other played for the University of Alberta. And uh, they... Uh, they played against each other quite a lot. In fact, in this picture here, um, I'm going to see if I can just... Can you see the arrow there? So that's number 41. That's my son, John Mark. He's our youngest son. This is my oldest son, Corey, number 17. And so uh, John Mark is a linebacker. Corey is a slot back. So if you know football, slot back is on the offense. Linebackers on the defense. Linebackers cover slot backs. And so our youngest son, John Mark, always covered his older brother. And so in this uh, picture here, you see uh, Corey kind of getting the upper hand on John Mark. Uh, they played, and, and we were just so blessed to follow them all across Canada, all the way from Vancouver to Ottawa. Uh, they were all Canadians and played in the, the Vanier Cup twice, and just lots of excitement. This is my younger son, John Mark. Uh, so today I'm wearing Corey's jersey. Parents have to be fair, right? Next Sunday, I'll be wearing John Mark's jersey. So that's why I got this one in early. Corey, I'm, I'm really on your team as well. Uh, when you watch next Sunday, you'll see your brother's jersey that I'm wearing, but I got yours on today. So uh, great to have family watching in from, from really all across Canada, being part of stuff and, and just being together. So this morning, very often in our culture, we, um, we see people who are taking uh, the image of Jesus and, and sometimes uh, trying to adjust it. And sometimes those adjustments, like this clicker, don't always work out as well as we hope they will. So if we can keep advancing that, Jonathan, that would be fantastic. Thank you. All right, so the message this morning is called Your Love is Showing. The next scene you see is actually a, a painting that was done. It's a painting done by a Spaniard and a very expensive painting. And it was entitled simply Eke Homo. And it was Behold the Man. It's an image of Jesus. So we can go to that next slide as well. There we go. So you can see the image on the left was uh, damage. And so a woman who is charged with restoring this image 
made it look like this. And so she was absolutely embarrassed. She was so embarrassed, she went into stress, became suicidal, had to go and see a psychiatrist to be able to help calm herself. And you know, the only thing that saved her, somebody in their community thought, you know what, this might make a good tourist attraction. And so they started to advertise this image. They put it on coffee mugs, on t-shirts. They broadcast it around the world. They charged people a, um, a euro to go into their church and look at this image because it had been changed so much. Well, they began to make thousands of dollars, and that woman who felt so bad about herself started to feel pretty good because she'd become world famous in a good way. She had gone from shame to fame, and it was a good kind of thing. So often in our lives, we find, do we not, that other people try to make Jesus and try to fix the image, maybe restore the image of Jesus from what people think of him to a contemporary version of Jesus today. And sometimes those uh, efforts end up um, looking like the one on the right side. If you have your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 7, because I'd like to show you a story about Jesus. This gets us back to the reality of an experience that he had. And this experience, I think, uh, has a word for us today at Bethel. In fact, this might be the most important message I share with you. I don't know how long I'll get to be your interim pastor, but today's message will be the most important one that you've heard from me yet. It may be the most important one you ever hear from me. Uh, when you came in, you should have received uh, some notes. Uh, there's some fill-in-the-blank things, uh, items, and uh, if you've got those, great. Um, if you don't, please make sure you take out a pen or a pencil or something uh, to write with and just mark this down. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Um, it's a, a fascinating story of Jesus being invited to the home of a Pharisee. So when you see the outside of the story looking in and knowing that Jesus got invited over to dinner, how many like inviting people to dinner? You like hosting people in your home. Okay, so you know what it's like to be a host and have hospitality. So however you think of yourself as a good host, think the opposite of what's happening in this story. So this was a setup. Jesus got invited to this Pharisee's house not so he could be treated well, but that so he could be embarrassed, that he could be exposed. You see, people said that Jesus was a prophet, and the Pharisees all believed that there's no way that Jesus could be a prophet because he came from Galilee and no good thing would ever come from Galilee, right? This is the backstory. So why does he get invited? Really because this Pharisee wants to set him up. And you'll discover as you read through the story why this man was so inhospitable and it was very intentional. Sometimes we don't mean to be inhospitable. We just don't think. This story is not like that at all. He meant to be inhospitable. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36, you see the verse says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, invited him to his home. Now I'm going to skip through a couple of the verses, but I'll tell you the story as we, as we kind of move along. There was a woman in that town that heard that Jesus was going to go to this Pharisee's house. And so she showed up because she wanted to be where Jesus was. It's good to be, want to be where Jesus is. And I think that should be like a church, that we celebrate Jesus. And people should love to come to a gathering where, where Jesus is being focused on, where he's the center of attention. 
and, and just like this at Bethel. So this is why the woman shows up. Now, notice how she's characterized. That people knew that she was a sinful woman. I have no idea what she had done, but that's how she was characterized. Everybody in town knew her as that characteristic. So she shows up at the dinner, and when she gets to the dinner, what she does is kind of sounds weird to us. She kneels down where Jesus is, and she begins to cry, and her tears fall on the dust that is on Jesus' feet. Now, when, when we have dinner at our homes, we sit around a table, so we're all sitting up at a table. But in Jesus' day, they would recline. So there would be a low table, and they would be laying down, and they would be eating on their side. So when Jesus was laying there, his feet would have been away from the table. It wouldn't be like they were under the table. So they'd be very observable. And she observed that his feet were dirty. And I'll tell you why that's significant in a moment. And so she cried over him. And as she wet his feet with her tears, she took her hair and she began to dry his feet. And then she had brought along intentionally an alabaster box of very expensive perfume, which she then took and then began to wipe on the feet of Jesus. So she washes his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, and then anoints his feet with oil. Crazy. And the Pharisee, without saying this, thinks in his mind, if this man knew what this woman was like as a true sinner, that he wouldn't allow her to do this. Obviously, he's not a prophet. Well, Jesus is in the room. Jesus is God. Jesus knew what that Pharisee was thinking. So he said to him, Simon, that was the Pharisee's name, he said, Simon, can I ask you a question? And Simon goes, certainly. And he says, suppose there was uh, two people that owed a debt, and one owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50 denarii, and neither of them could pay their debt, and their master said, don't worry about it, it's forgiven. He said to Simon, Simon, who do you think would love more. And so he said, well, I suppose the person who is forgiven most. This is where the story picks up. This is where Jesus has an interesting moment. Jesus, the Bible says, looks at the woman and speaks to Simon. He brings her into focus and talks to the Pharisee. And he says this to the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. You see, in a Pharisee's house, they would have the resources to have a servant that was designated only to do one thing. Greet a guest, give them a cold drink of water, wash their feet, dry their feet, and then give them some oil that they could rub through their hair to kind of moisturize it, because it's pretty hot in the Middle East. And when Jesus comes to this Pharisee's house, intentionally... He doesn't send a servant to welcome Jesus. So now Jesus sits down, dirty feet, unwelcomed, begins to eat dinner. Jesus asks Simon these questions. And then he says, this woman, this woman, when she came in, began to wash my feet with her tears. And then she took her hair and she dried my feet with her hair. And then she took her oil. Simon, when I came into your home, you didn't give me oil. But not only did she give me oil, to wash and anoint and moisturize my hair. She anointed my feet. And Jesus goes on to say something very significant. He says this, her sins have been forgiven. 
as her great love has shown. Her sins, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. My message is called, Be Careful Your Love is Showing. Because what Jesus was trying to do is make a point to the Pharisee that whoever has their lives with much hurt or heartache or brokenness or sin forgiven, they feel a greater love to have that debt removed. In our lives, the reason that we're in church today, all of us, at least it should be. Now, I know some of you are here because mom and dad said, we're going to church, that's what we do on Sundays. Or um, your spouse said to you, we're going to church, that's what we do on Sundays. Or you're watching online and you're thinking that, uh, I just wanted to see what goes on at Bethel in Barhead in Alberta on Sundays. But really we're here, aren't we, friends? Because we understand that God forgives, that God loved the world, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that we could find in God our sins forgiven. That's why we have church. That's why we gather together as followers of Jesus because our lives have been changed. And if you've come as a guest today or you're watching online and you hear me talk about sin and you hear me talk about forgiveness, and, and sin is kind of a foreign word to our culture today. Sometimes it's offensive, but it really shouldn't be. It's just the way things are. That we're all, we all got something inside of us that's broken. And it's shown in our relationships, in how we treat each other, how the world is. Last night... Why do five Texans get murdered and 21 others wounded? Why in our world is there evil where a little baby gets shot in the face? Why do we have these tragedies? And that's just one of them in America. And when you look around the world, it's because our world needs God. You say, well, I thought God created the world. Didn't you say earlier that God's our creator? If God created the world and he's so powerful, why doesn't he do something? Well, he, he has done something. He's given each of us a choice, free will, we're not robots. We're not created to do automatic things that will follow after what God wants. He says to us, I would just like your heart. I'd like your life. I'd like you to freely choose me. And when we don't choose God, we end up in a broken world. When we do choose God, we discover that God accepts us as we are, that, that he forgives us, that he changes us, that he heals us, that he helps our marriages, that he causes us to flourish, that he helps us thrive, that he gives us a purpose to live for. That's the beauty of coming to know God. And that's what Jesus was asking the Pharisee. So let me ask you a question. Of the people in the story, who do you relate to the most? In this story of the Pharisee named Simon and the woman who is known as a sinner, who in the story do you relate to the most? Who can you relate to? Now, I know in your minds you're going, Pastor Bob, that's an easy question to answer because I don't want to be like the Pharisee, right? Because that's the bad guy in this story. Have you ever noticed that in the Gospels, Jesus makes women the hero of most of his stories? Have you seen that? It's countercultural for his day. But he had women who followed him. He had women that were, had their lives changed. And women became some of the heroes in most of Jesus' stories, just like in this story here. That woman who came to, to honor him became the hero in the story. So in my life, I'll tell you honestly, I end up being like the Pharisee more than I want to be. I, I end up thinking that I know the answers because I've studied, that, that I understand faith and I understand things that are right. I end up being that more than I would like, and I'm not as much like that woman as I need to be. 
You know, some people think if you've been a believer in Jesus for a long time, you, you shouldn't be like that woman because you should know better. Well, that's true, but I think the heart of that woman and her attitude is something that I want to carry with me all my life. I never want to get to the point where I kind of take stuff for granted, where I just think that God, I just take him for granted, because as soon as I do that, worship changes. I begin to feel like I own my life. I begin to make choices that are for me. I begin to act more selfishly than selflessly. I begin to act more like the Pharisee than Jesus or even this woman. And I think what God wants to do for all of us today, whether we're a football player, whether we're a stay-at-home mom, whether we're working out as an agricultural engineer at our farms, whether we're a teacher, whether we're an entrepreneur, whatever we might be doing, that God wants to call us and touch us right here in our hearts, in our spirit. Because there are people, just like that woman, who need to be invited to experience hospitality and experience what God's love is all about. So on your notes, I'd like to walk you through this. You'll already see at the top, I marked down Matthew 18, which was going to be my uh, text, but it's Luke 7. You've seen that. Please mark that in your notes just so you remember that, please. And I want to ask you the question in terms of things that we look at in our lives as followers. And sometimes we prioritize things in levels of importance. So on this list here, the idea of never be lacking in zeal, keep your spiritual fervor, serve God, be faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And then there's another word that fits into Romans 12, 13. And it's a word that is equally important to anything that a Christian can do. And it's probably the last word that most people would think might fit in there. But the word is simply hospitality. Practice hospitality. You go, Pastor Bob, really? That hospitality is important? Whoops. Hospitality is, is as important as prayer? Um, that hospitality is as important as uh, serving God? That hospitality is as important as sharing with the Lord's people financially? Practice hospitality. That is a key New Testament encouragement, maybe I say commandment, for us. And it affects all of us in the room. It affects me, it affects you, all of us. And I believe, friends, that um, the guests that are here today, the guests that are watching, the guests that will come to Bethel next Sunday and the Sundays after are expecting hospitality. Not a greeter, not even friendliness, but hospitality. Like when you feel hospitality, you know someone's been hospitable to you, right? You've been in homes or invited to places where you just feel so good. You're, you feel like the center of attention. You don't deserve it, but you feel like they made a meal for me. They made the exact thing that I love. They, they, uh, they laid out my special dessert. They created a coffee that I like or a tea or something. They thought of me. And so the ability to think of people before you meet them is huge, and that's what I want to help you with today. I think that's why it's the most important message that I can share with you and be able to speak into our hearts. This is the most practical thing that you can do. Prakash led us earlier in a song that talked about serving God. And when we think about how do I do that, we think, oh, missionary, pastor, Bible college, Sunday school teacher, something like that. Hospitality, I think, is the most positive, powerful, practical practice that we can all engage in to make a change in the lives of other people. 
So as we go through your notes there, first of all, I believe that the foyer of Bethel, our church, is to be seen like your family room. That if you treat the foyer out there and even inside here like you would treat your family room when people come to your house, that you welcome them in, you find a place for them to sit down, you make sure that they feel at home. Maybe you offer them uh, some kind of a, a beverage, um, uh, a glass of water, a Coke, uh, something cold, punch, um, and, and you talk with them. That's uh, what it is to feel like this church becomes your family room, that the foyer becomes your family room, that this is the first kind of step in hospitality. It's our attitudes. It's how we think about what's important. If you haven't seen that before, hopefully this is something good and something new for you uh, to be able to pick up and to be able to practice. Here we go. First thing, every person at Bethel is a host, is a host. If you see yourself that way, that you are a host at your church. Uh, I'm not talking about a greeter, because there are people this morning that were volunteering as greeters. They stood at the door, they gave you the bulletin. What I'm talking about is that every person, can you, uh, let's try this again. I did this the first Sunday I was here. Take your left hand, please. Hold it up like this. Take your right hand, two fingers, put it on the, left, the side of your left wrist, right? And you feel that? You feel that, right? I hope you do. We need to call medics if you don't, okay. <laughs> so what you feel there is a purpose. You feel, you got your pulse here, that's a purpose. And your purpose when you come on Sundays is to be a host. When you show up, your worship is to be a host. To think, when I come, who can I smile at? Who can I shake hands with? Who can I say hi to? Who can I say good morning to? Who can I find that I can take the initiative with? Who can I reach out to and express kindness? All those things are kind. That's what it is to be a host. And if all of us see ourselves as a host, I believe that we could create a culture and a climate that would help anybody who comes to Bethel feel like they're special, that they were expected, that they weren't a surprise showing up, that they were welcomed, wanted, that they are to be here. So everyone at Bethel is a host. I want to ask you a question, see how we do with this. Who are the hosts of Bethel? Okay, there we go. That was pretty good. You got the right answer. So let's try it again. Who are the hosts of Bethel? Okay, so now it's like I am, we are. Let's try I am, okay? Can you say it out loud? Who is a host at Bethel? Welcome to your job. Thank you for accepting. Here we go. Let me give you some points on how to be a host and what you can do that's practical. Number two, every person that comes to Bethel is a guest. There is a big difference between a visitor and a guest. If you have a visitor in your home, they're not like your guest. They're just a visitor. But a guest... A guest is something, someone special. When you have a guest in your home, they become important. And as we see people not just visiting, because a visitor says this, a visitor is coming here and then they're leaving and they may never come back. And they don't really care about you. Maybe they're here to see a speaker or a band like the Glory Boys on September 22nd or, or just something like that. A guest is any person that comes to your church, whether they're going to stay or not, whether they're here for one time or not. And a guest gets elevated in terms of how we see them and view them and care for them. And so I know it's a small difference, but think in your mind, would you rather be a visitor or a guest somewhere? Would you rather go to an Oilers game and have someone say, 
come on in, you're our visitor, or would you like to go and be the guest of Wayne Gretzky at the Oilers game? Because if you were Wayne's guest, you wouldn't be sitting up in the nosebleed section, right? You would be in his private box, his private suite. You'd be his guest. He would have food for you. He would talk with you, autograph your jersey. He would treat you like a guest because you're his guest, not a visitor. And so when people come to Bethel, if you can act like Wayne Gretzky, you don't have to have a 99, but if you can think that, and you know what, I'll tell you what. Here's a value system, friends. The typical behavior of guests is to come in the door, sit in the back, listen to the singing, listen to the speaking, and then exit before talking to anybody. That's typical. And then they go home and they evaluate, and they wonder if they got welcomed. What if we made it impossible for any person coming to Bethel to do that anymore? That somehow they would encounter somebody who was friendly and smiled, and maybe if they sat at the back, they turned around and saw someone they didn't know and said, hi, my name is Bob. I don't think I've met you before. What's your name? Something simple like that. That would be huge. The opportunity to have our mindset as welcoming people like guests, to practice hospitality in that way, to actually simply be kind to people. So I know you're going to get this one correct. The most important person to help a person feel at home here at Bethel is, and if you put my name in there, wrong. If you put any of the board members in there, that's kind of right. If you put precaution there or any of our worship leaders, kind of right, but the name you want to put in there, and if you'd mark it down on your sheet, please, just mark your own name in. Put your own first name in. The most important person to help anybody feel at home at Bethel is you. That's, that's the responsibility. Are you prepared to accept that responsibility? Oh, I forgot, you already said, who are the hosts at Bethel? I am, okay, okay. We're going to have that louder as we go on. I'll keep reminding you of that as we go along. All right, the fourth thing, how do you be kind? How do you be kind? Simply look people in the eye, smile at them, and extend a hand, say good morning. That's all you got to do. That's kindness. Kindness doesn't cost money. It costs you. Maybe that's more precious than money. It, it takes your intentionality in your heart because you know what? People know fake. People know inauthenticity. People know when it's someone's job because it's what their volunteer sign says or when it, they really mean it. So when I come up to Jake and I say to Jake, uh, hi, my name's Bob. Uh, I don't know if I've met you before. What's your name? You're going to tell if this is just my job or if I really care because I don't, I don't really know you and I want to know you. You can feel that. And everybody can feel that. And here's the other thing. I think, sincerely, that if you're... If, you've, if you have no hair or gray hair, or both, <laughs> that your being a host counts more than anybody else. Now, I'm not trying to be prejudiced, but I'll tell you what. When, when gray hairs show up at church or no hairs, people know they've been there for a while. It's not their first rodeo. They haven't come to church for their first Sunday. And, and sometimes other people who are guests think of them as owning the church because they've been there, it's their church. And they watch to see if the veterans are the friendliest because they want to see that there's something through the fabric of the church, not just young people, new people, but older people. Are they friendly? That's why I say the people with no hair or gray hair have some of the best influence on new people than anybody else could have because when they're friendly, 
It's absolutely huge. The second most important is a peer. So if I'm 35 and a 37-year-old comes up to me and says, hi, my name is Bob. I don't think I've met you before. What's your name? Then they go, hey, there's somebody like me here. And really, older people may come out as being more important, but all of us are going to find somebody that you are going to be the most important person for because they can relate to you. When a teenager shows up on site here and another teen welcomes them, absolutely huge. That's like gold. That's better than gray hair, no hair, or anybody else's age. When a teen welcomes another teen, wow, that goes a long, 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 long way. Now, friends, you may be saying this to me. Okay, Pastor Bob, like you're making a big deal about guests. We hardly ever have guests at Bethel. Like, I never see guests here. Do you know that you've had eight guests, at least, that I know of in the last three Sundays, or at least the three Sundays I've been here? Uh, and so um, Jeff and Shalene and Callista and Ryan and Sophie and Grant and Sharon and Justin, those are all guests to your church, never been here before. And they sat over here, and they sat in the third, fourth row from the front, and two of them sat at the back. Um, one of them is, uh, Pam, they sat right where you're sitting. One of them is an RCMP officer from St. Albert. But they came to visit. Did anybody meet Jeff or Shalene or Grant or Sharon or Justin? Or They're in your house. They came to your house to visit. There's going to be another Grant or another Sharon or another Shalene or another Jeff or another whatever their name might be, they're going to come. And the ability for them to leave Bethel feeling like, wow, I, got, I was noticed. They care about people like me there. They actually want me there. That re that will, that's just not on me. I'll, I'll help out, but it's, it's really on us, right? Because who are the hosts of Bethel? Yeah. All right, good, thank you. You're having, hope you're having fun with this as we go along this morning. It's powerful. This is the most powerful thing you can do, I think. Um, so here's the key. Even if there's not a huge guest flow, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. I believe that God prepared, blesses and favors prepared people. So when Noah built the ark, everybody laughed at him because there'd never been rain before. What are you building an ark for? What do we need this for? And so for years, it took Noah years, people laughed at him, they mocked at him, they made fun of him. But he was prepared, he followed what God wanted, and when it rained, he was ready. He was the only one ready. So I want to make sure there's lots of people ready as guests come in to, your, to our church and uh, they're welcomed and they're cared for. It makes a huge difference in their lives. And for us to be prepared now, I believe that God would favor us. I've seen it happen in, in, in the three churches I've been in in the past. I've only been in three churches. This is my fourth. But I've seen this. Invariably and inevitably, whenever people prepare for something in a church, God makes that happen. So if you get ready for guests, there's going to be guests that are coming to Bethel. You may say, how does that work? I don't really know. I just think that God blesses and favors prepared people. And so let's get prepared. Let's get, let's get ready. Let's be able to engage uh, people. Let me ask you this. If you've been attending Bethel for eight months or less, eight months or less, so you've come in 2019, could you meet with me in the foyer before you go home? Even if I'm talking to somebody uh, would you please make sure you talk to me before you leave? I'd like to learn your name, if I haven't already. So again, here's the marker. Eight months or less. 
please come and see me in the foyer. I would love to get connected to you uh, and to meet you. Now, friends, as you go down your list there, um, you'll see a number eight, that one of the greatest things you can do is uh, listen. Ask people if, if you can help them. If, um, if uh, a family comes in with two little kids and you're a greeter at the door or you're in the foyer because you're a host, and to be able to go up to mom and dad and say, hi, my name is Bob, and uh, I haven't met you before, and your name is, and your name is. When the kids come in, you want to make sure you don't shake their hands. Okay, that's the rule at Bethel. You never shake a child's hand. No, you fist bump, you high five, or down low, but never, never shake hands. Um, and you know what? When you want to talk to kids, you want to get at their level, right? Maybe just down on one knee. Now, for, for everybody who's got a problem uh, physically, we'll make sure we have people in the foyer that can get you back up again if that's hard to do, okay? But you want to try to get down as low as you can with kids and help them feel like kids, right? One of the cool things this morning is that there are children in this assembly here, right? And so what that tells me is this, that you're, you're okay sometimes when kids are coloring or talking in, in our service. That's okay, right? Because kids are kids. You can't expect kids to sit still for a whole hour and not say anything. And when you have a family church and you have children on the inside, they're going to act like kids. We need to let kids be kids. And like I say, no handshakes. Always a fist bump, high five, down low, something, maybe an elbow smash, I don't know. But just a, a way to engage them. So next Sunday, there's a lot of people away today from Bethel. This is the long weekend. People are traveling, camping. So you can create a conspiracy of kindness. You know something that they don't know now unless they're watching online. You don't, they don't know that you are now the host of Bethel, that when they show up next Sunday, you could blow their socks off, right, by going up to people that you may even know or maybe not know and say to them, hi, my name is Bob. I, I'm not sure I, I know your name. Um, welcome. Uh, just to uh, do something that is overt in the foyer or out here. And uh, you know what would really shake up people is everybody from this side, when we do shake hands, go over to this side and see if you can find somebody over here you haven't met before and just uh, shake their hand and smile and say, hey, welcome to Bethel. <laughs> I haven't seen you before. Um, it, the contagious aspect of our hosting is huge. Like I say, let children be children. Um, this is Muhammad. Muhammad uh, is, uh, when I met Muhammad, uh, he uh, is a Muslim. Uh, he came to our church in Edmonton. He came because of a very special need, but he got hospitality. He was welcomed. And uh, there's a whole story that I want to share with you about Muhammad. Suffice it to say for today that Muhammad is now a host at North Point, the church I just left. That uh, he is, he's come to know Jesus as his savior, his wife and his son is there. And uh, this guy, because of hospitality, made a choice that while he was seeking Allah, he made a choice to follow Jesus. Who knows next Sunday who's going to be coming to Bethel that is looking for more than just church, that they're looking for something that's real, something authentic, something in your lives, a place that they could come where first they could belong before they believed. You see, Muhammad felt that he could belong at North Point, and then he began to believe on Jesus, and then his life began to change. And so now he's, he's following Jesus, a representative of him, and that flow. Very often we re end up reversing it, right? When we try to create Jesus in our own image and that we make people become by believing and then maybe we'll let them belong. 
And that goes back to that twisted image of trying to help uh, people see who Jesus is. The idea of belonging, believing, and becoming, that flow changes people's lives. And it starts with us. So what if Bethel became known as the friendliest church in all of Alberta, the most welcoming church in all of Alberta? What if this group of people gained a reputation that no matter who came here, everybody felt, wow, that was the best reception I've ever received? Starts with one person, Logan Boulay. You probably have heard about the Boulay effect. Logan was a Humboldt Bronco player. I had the privilege of serving uh, the Broncos. I officiated a funeral for one of their players after the bus accident in April of 2018, um, Logan Hunter. Logan Boulay has an incredible story. If you haven't heard it, I'll summarize it in closing. When he turned 21, he decided to sign his donor card on his driver's license. That was in March of 2018. His dad today will joke with you, and he'll say, you know, when Logan signed that, I thought, man, by the time, um, you're, peop, you, the, by the time you pass away, people won't want your organs. You'll be too old. And he had no idea that less than four weeks later, Logan would be killed in that bus accident. Six of Logan's organs were donated to other people and saved their lives. When that story got out, within the first 10 days, 100,000 Canadians signed the back of their driver's license to become donors, just like Logan. I was one of those. I was one of them. I, I thought, actually, at my age, which at that time was 64, that no one would want an organ from an old person. And I discovered when I inquired that, you know what? People who are in their 80s, can donate their organs and save the life of a teenager just by doing that. And that's why 100,000 people signed up. That's why I signed up. I signed up because of Logan Boulay, a young guy who had no idea that he would come to the end of his life, a young guy who was under the influence of a chaplain for the Humboldt Broncos, who just days before the accident shared Jesus in their chapel. The coach said to him, Sean, Pastor Sean, this time when you do chapel, don't talk motivationally, talk Jesus. And so in the last chapel that the humble Broncos had, they heard from Pastor Sean about Jesus. Logan made a decision in his life. You may say, well, wow, donating organs. Pastor Bob, you're talking today about being a host. You know what? Being a host can save a person's life. I believe that. Muhammad would, be, would tell you that. And who knows who will come that you can be Jesus for, that you can love, that you can look at the story of the Pharisee, Simon, and the woman who is nameless. You can look at a man who compromised and actually twisted hospitality for his own ends, or you could look at a woman who was actually not invited and was not even welcomed, who acted more hospitable than someone who should know better. And I think all of us in this room would side with the woman would sigh and say, I want to be like her. I want to have my life and my love showing. Careful, your love is showing. Careful, next Sunday, the love that you have, the kindness that you have, the hosting that you do can make a huge difference in the lives of people. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd just like to pray before we close. Lord, hospitality is, uh, 
Sounds like a, a restaurant or a hotel, but it's a Bible word. And you encourage us, just like you do, to love and to pray and to give and to serve, to practice hospitality. So, Lord, you, you've got our attention because, honestly, in our lives, we do tend to be a little more like Pharisees than anybody else. And we don't want to be that way. And we thank you for stories that you live through and that we see you in them and that how you commended this woman and that you blessed her and that she became a blessing to us today because we've been reminded of her story, that her love was showing, that she was forgiven a lot. And Jesus, today, all of us in this room would say, we are forgiven. You've, we've asked you into our lives. We've asked you to forgive our sins. And whether that was six decades ago or for some of us six months ago or even for some in this room just six weeks ago, that you've done that for us and we love you for that and we honor you. So the way that we want to serve you, Jesus, we commit to saying to you, we'll practice hospitality. We're going to be kind. We're going to be, exp we're going to be sincere. We're going to actually look forward to meeting people that we don't know, people that you send to us so that we can simply be Jesus for them. And I thank you for everyone that's watching today uh, online. Thank you for Bethel here in Barhead. Thank you for the influence and the reach that goes all around our world. We pray this, Jesus, for your glory and your name. Amen. Amen. Friends, one last thing before we head off. Do you know that 80% of Canadians say that if a person they knew invited them to church, they would come. I want to encourage you to have people we can host. Invite somebody you know this week, somebody at school, somebody you work with, somebody in the community, to come with you to your church next Sunday, to be here and, and to experience uh, what we're going to hear and, and, and understand. It's going to be a fun Sunday, Jersey Sunday, and Glenn Harper from the Edmonton Eskimos, a friend of mine, is going to come and share his story. Glenn is a Grey Cup champion. He works right now for Atco Gas in Edmonton. I, I've had him share his story many times before in many locations. He's going to be our guest next Sunday, okay? So when Glenn Harper shows up, he really is, just like everybody else will be, a guest. So make sure you go up to Glenn. Um, and if you're going to ask all guests for an autograph, you could ask Glenn for an autograph as well. But make sure you go up to Glenn and, and say, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're, I'm glad you're here today. My name's Bob. And uh, invite him and welcome into your church today, into your house, the hospitality that's there. So, two questions. Who are the hosts at Bethel? And then I won't ask for an answer on this one, but think of a name that you will invite this week personally and say to them, you know, I've asked you before if you'd like to come to Bethel, and I know you don't go to church, but would, would you come this Sunday? It's a real special Sunday. It would mean a lot to me if you came. So if that's in your heart and that's in your mind, this is a fantastic way to be able to close. As I mentioned, I'd love to meet in the foyer, our living room, with everybody who's been here eight months or less. And for everyone here today watching online, that is at a moment in their lives where you would, that you, you just know you want more than what you've got, that you, you want to take a step forward in faith, that you want to do, as I said earlier, open up your life to Jesus, I would be so happy to talk with you about that choice, to pray with you, and, and just to share more about Jesus with you. So glad you're here today. So glad you've chosen to come. God bless each one of you. Um, and uh, we're going to close on not singing, but the opportunity again maybe for you to mingle and to find somebody else you haven't said hi to yet.
today. Would you do that? Would you kind of practice already? Be a host, go up, say, hi, my name is Bob. I'm not sure I know your name. What's your name? And uh, make sure you cross aisles, okay? God bless you. Thanks for watching. God bless you, Bethel. Have a fantastic day.